Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us. This is episode 155. We are recording this December 12th, 2021 at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. I'm your host, Terry Plucknett. Joining me is Zach Saltz and the one, the only, Andy Dalton. I mean, Adam Daly. QB1 in the house. I'm like Dylan yeah, yeah, Moore yeah. coming up. Thought, I'm I like Dylan you... Moore coming in, bases loaded, hoping to crank one out of the park against the Astros this year. That's the pinch hitters coming in. There yeah. we go. How was your injury today? I heard you got uh, like an injured knee or something, or you're not I'll be back. play tonight. I, I, I'll be back. I, I know day. you're taking uh, the night off for, for us. I know our podcast is more important than Sunday night football, but I really appreciate the effort. You know, I figured let the young guy, you know, stretch his legs out there. My knees. Give it an extra week. Get a shot in my knee. He'll be good to go next week. So, yes, Adam is with us uh, this week. And if you don't know what we're talking about, look up Andy Dalton, NFL player, and then look up a picture of Adam. And uh, they are the same picture, basically. So uh, it's pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, Adam's Adam's pinch hitting today. Uh, Todd was not able to uh, to be with us. He He works for FedEx, and it's Christmas season. So. Uh, his life is not his own right now. So you don't say uh, what you don't say. Yeah, I know. So he's uh, he's working and uh, and all that stuff. So we can make fun of him as much as we want this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. We right. Go. We get free reign. We do. We do. Anyways. So uh, we're going to be uh, going through our, our regular podcast stuff. However, when we get to power rankings, it'll be fun. We're picking Todd's list instead of Adam's list since Adam is here, so uh, which I think is going to be a lot more competitive because we all actually know Todd um, where uh, Todd like has weird advantages. I mean, he's won like twice as many as I like Zach and I combined add up to Todd's total in, in that anyways. Um, Zach, how, how does it feel to get your butt whooped in fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, it's you know what? This is like the equivalent of like week 17 or I guess week 18 now. It, it's, it's a primer for the playoffs. Uh, but uh, yes, it's it, it, it's always bad when you have to uh, when your best running back is uh, a running back on the Bills, Singletary. And I didn't even start him today. You know, your team's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. And my team just rocks. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. It just my team's awesome. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. And most of it I just drafted. Anyways, I'm gonna go into playoffs next week as number one seed. There we go. At least you're yes. beating Todd at something. Yes. That's yes. Todd. Todd actually sucks at fantasy football. He does oh, every yeah, year. His team's awful. Every year his team is awful. Adam, are you in this league? I, I forget. Uh, no, I got kicked out of several leagues because, like, halfway through the season, I like forget to set my lineup, and they're like, This guy's just giving other people free wins. Okay, well, then you need to be in this league next year because you can replace okay. Zach's wife, who just is is a placeholder. Yeah, I'm okay. sure she wouldn't okay. mind getting replaced, right, Zach? Well, her team name is Sunken Place, which is how what she thinks about sports in general. And uh, she did beat Todd this year, that was the, the lone highlight. <laughs> There we go. Todd hated that, which too. I believe has happened actually multiple times before too. Yeah, nice. Todd, Todd's in eighth like place. No 
Todd's in eighth place. I'm in first. Zach's in third. I don't know if Zach will still be in third after I after this loss, though. But um, I'm going into the playoffs with a, a, with a two game lead over second place. So, all right, okay. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be the replacement. Awesome. There we go. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, Adam, what are you drinking today? Oh, it's just a good old classic Makers and Pepsi. I don't know. Just something. Yes. Yeah, just Makers, Makers Mark and some Pepsi. That's all it is. Nice. It's like nice. college. Reminds me of the old days. Yeah, something simple. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right, Zach, what do you got? I got some $9 uh, Costco eggnog. That is like <laughs> 15% alcohol and 85% sugar. And uh, Merry Christmas. It's pretty awesome. It's a great experience. I, I got a, I got a jug for the at room temperature. Grocery store today, I got a jug of cinnamon eggnog. Like it was special cinnamon eggnog. Yeah. Nice. Anyways. So I went to the brewery and I did something I don't normally do. I got a one of their ciders. So this oh, is yeah. this is a uh, this is their but this is why this is their special Christmas cider. It's called uh, the cider before Christmas. And not, and the not logo the for, house rules. No no no. Oh. The logo for it is like a whole take on Nightmare Before Christmas. But um, it's pretty good. It's apple cinnamon. The the bartender said it tastes like apple pie, and he wasn't lying. So there we I'll go. I'll take it. I'll take it. Right on. Merry Christmas, guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You filthy animals. Yes. There we go. All right. Well, make sure that you are subscribing, rating, reviewing, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, do it on all of the platforms. Just just everywhere. Just subscribe, rate, review, because it'll be it'll be nice for us. Uh, get heard by more people and all of that jazz. On to what we've been watching. Christmas. What? So give us the Almost Sideways podcast a Christmas present of there your subscription. There we go. There we go. Subscribe for for uh, for a Christmas present for us. Awesome. All right. What have we been watching? We're going to start with Adam newbie, pinch hitter. What did you watch this week? All right. Well, I, I kind of there's a couple things I had watched that I really enjoyed, but I think the one that would be more of a good conversational piece would be the one I just watched today. But I I want to mention there if you. Um, I like Alanis Morissette. I there was an HBO documentary, like their music box thing. They actually had a, a oh yeah a film called Jagged, which actually was really cool and it's kind of a little nostalgia trip. And Alanis Morissette's pretty awesome, so she's she's God and Dogma. So you got go watch that one. Three point five stars for me. I really enjoyed that one I'll, quite a bit. Maybe it's just nostalgia for that record too. But anyway, the film I want to talk to you today about is a film called Spencer. Directed by uh, Lauren. Uh, I've been meaning to watch this. I finally just said, said, you know what? I'm renting it. And Kristen Stewart, first off, is fantastic. I think that's what everybody's really drawing comparison. After I watched the movie, I also read Terry's review. So a little plug. So make sure you go check out Terry's review and listen to the podcast, too, because I know we you guys have talked about it. But I, mm-hmm. I liked the film Jackie, which he had also had, had done before the pre- previous year. Natalie Portman was really great, but I think... The performance from Kristen Stewart, she totally embodies the whole uh, Diana in this uh, this film. It's over the weekend. I thought it was pretty pretty. It's really a quiet film. It's I didn't was nothing I was really expecting to uh, come out of it. I was hearing a great buzz about it, but it was definitely a little more quiet, not as uh, flashy. But her performance is just completely is what you're watching this for. There, are, admittedly, there is parts where I was a little confused with the relationship and the dynamics of the family. Uh, so that maybe makes me want to rewatch it again to try to pick up little things here and there. 
but definitely everything that Terry had really said about uh, about the, the toxic family or, or her husband and her the dynamics between the uh, her stature and uh, of royalty and her family and stuff like that was all just in there. And I thoroughly enjoyed this film. It's one I really want to watch, and it's going to be a contender probably. Uh, for one of my favorites, at least my favorite performance. So I, I'm giving this a 3.5. I fall right between you guys in there. I definitely think it was a better experience than Jackie, which I still think is a really good movie. I want to rewatch that one as well. But amazing leading performances for in both of those movies. But I think Kristen Stewart just edges out Natalie Portman just a little bit. So it's hard awesome. to comp- not compare those two films. So Right. Well, and I, I still haven't seen Jackie. I need to do that. But yeah, like I said, I gave it four stars. Zach gave it three. And Todd has not seen it. And Todd so. has not seen it. And even though Which it came is... out like, it feels like it came out six months ago. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Is he going yeah. to be able to catch it? Is it going to be in theaters by the time he can get to it? Because now he has Amazon a stock run at this point. That's true. That's true. I mean, he'll watch yeah, it you can at, rent at some it now. point. Yeah, he'll, he'll catch it. He'll catch it in some way, shape, or form at some point. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. We can say it's thrice approved on the on this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Todd will give it. Todd will give it two stars just because he yeah. can. Is yeah. she is she one of the people that's going to be one of the front runners to win Best Actress at the Oscars? She's going to be up there. She's sure. she's she up should be there. nominated. She yeah, I think it, it's definitely she'll be nominated, and it, she'll be one of the one of the ones that'll be fighting for the for the for the win for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Zach, what have you been watching? All right, so I've been trying to go through old movies that I'm ashamed to have never have seen. I'm ashamed to say that I haven't seen this movie. It's been appearing on all the Christmas, you know, Netflix, HBO Max, Christmas movie lists. And every year I just kind of scroll by it and I figure I'm just not going to tell people I haven't seen it. Or maybe I'll pretend that I've seen it being like, oh, yeah, it's so great. (laughs) I finally sat down and watched it. And the film is Elf. I had never seen <laughs> Elf. Somehow it had escaped my film uh, vocabulary. When it came out, I never saw it in theaters. Uh, I think it's because I felt like it looked pretty stupid. <laughs> and um, I do have to say, in the first 20 minutes, I thought it was pretty stupid. I was going like, what's the over-under on forced perspective shots where we see Will Ferrell towering over everybody <laughs> else in the little elf kingdom? We're going like 67 and a half shots like that but uh i will say uh once will ferrell as buddy the elf uh leaves the north pole in search of his father played by uh the great jimmy Kahn. um i really got into this movie like it was freaking fun like i love how the his father is a total like dick right and i love uh the the, the scene where he's at the the uh the department store when he beats up the department store santa uh because he's a phony uh great moment um, I, I feel like this movie has everything going for it. It's like a it's, a, it's like a mixture of like being there with a little bit of Bodu saved from drowning. And then like, it's a wonderful life because essentially Buddy the Elf is like Clarence. He's just going around telling people that he's an elf and no one believes him because no one has Christmas spirit. And that's what everybody needs in uh, in the city. Uh, I, I, I thought it was great. I mean, I don't really understand the last 20 minutes of it, but uh, I, I, I'm with it. Uh, anytime they can break into song and help equip Santa's sleigh with some sort of engine, uh, hey, I'm I'm down with that. 
Um, some, some really great stuff. And I would have to say, you know, there's a running joke in the movie that I love where Buddy the Elf uh, just loves to eat everything with sugar and he'll put like, you know, sugar on spaghetti and he, you know, he is just uh, obsessed with sugar. And I would say that in 2021, Buddy the Elf's favorite meal is licorice pizza. I mean, that's, oh, that's you know, that, that was my dad joke. That was in honor of you, Terry, for your dad joke last week about, you know, G Detective Jerry Black having a son named Jack. Anyway, th <laughs> three stars. It's it's a Christmas classic, and I'm really glad I watched it. Way, way better than uh, Swingers. And, uh, yeah, John Favreau. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he should just make Christmas movies. Yeah, I, I will admit, I was like 10 years late on Elf 2. And yeah. um, what happened? I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I Both don't of really us remember when it came out. I, I yeah, I, I missed it for some reason. And and for the dad jokes, I don't know if you've noticed my shirt, but um, oh, we oh, have. Yeah. We were talking about it before you got on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, geometry. Yep. Yep. I'm not a math oh, teacher or anything. <laughs> and and in all the words, you can't really see them, but the words are pointing to the different shapes on the tree and telling you how to find the volume of them. Wow. <laughs> that sounds nice. Is this Bill's Buccaneers game really going to overtime? I can't it believe it. Can, it can we give a little bit of backstory to this? So the reason why we, we decided to do this podcast a little later on a Sunday night because, oh, hey, you know, the games are so good. Every game in the afternoon was crap. And I was like, let's just screw this. Let's just start the podcast. Who cares? And, of course, the moment we started, somehow the Bills forged this miraculous comeback that, uh, you know, I don't know. We're going to miss. It came back from like 17 down with five know, minutes it was, left. it was over. What the heck? I hate the bill. And I don't I know about you. I don't, I don't know. You're, I'm not missing it. I've got it on my iPad right next to me. So I, I'm, I'm slightly distracted at times. Screw Tom the, Brady. But it, well, really? I mean. And yeah. the Bengals Niners ha, are, have two and a half minutes left in overtime. Oh, and the nice. uh, Bengals, Bengals up three, but the Niners are in field goal position. Anyways, oh, God. that'll be Please. relevant in three days when you guys actually listen to it. All hey right. Guys, Andrew Luck just retired, by the way. <laughs> Gotta bring that up every time. Retired again. It doesn't, it doesn't get again. old. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay, so my uh my Oscar watch for this week uh was the last of the documentaries for this year. I only have three more movies to watch, and I've made it through my entire 52 film list of Oscar nominees. Uh, so it's last documentary. It's back 10 years to 2011. It's called Helen Back Again. It was directed by uh, Dan Fung Dennis. And it tells a story of, um, of a soldier in, uh, in Afghanistan who, uh, and, and this the filmmaker follows him around throughout uh, several uh, battles and conflicts during that campaign. And then, goes and follows him around at home. And so it kind of cuts back and forth between the action, um, the warfare action and at home. And he had a pretty serious injury. And so part of it is his recovery at home as well. Um, I thought this one was just okay. I, I was really kind of hopeful for this one. It looked really, really interesting. And it turned out to be one of those documentaries that uh, you get like 15, 20 minutes into it and you say, okay, I, I've kind of learned what I'm supposed to learn from this. Oh, oh, but you're going to go on for another hour. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and that that that's all there was. It, it you get you get the vibe of what it's trying to say in those first 20 minutes, um, and and how how horrific war can be, and 
even more so how horrific it can be coming home. It really reminded me of like the last half hour of the Hurt Locker in some ways too, of of how the Jeremy Renner character and that just couldn't figure out how to come home. And that's what I saw here. Uh, so it was, it was okay. Uh, I'm giving it oh, what did I give it? I gave it two and a half stars. So not a full recommendation, but it's a solid, it's a solid documentary. Uh, so looking at uh, now that I've watched them all, looking at the five documentaries that came out or that were nominated in 2011, by far, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but by far the best is Undefeated, the one that won. Um, then after that is Paradise Lost 3, Purgatory. That whole series is great. Um, and this is the only one that was nominated because I think it was the only one that actually had a theatrical release. But go back and watch the first one and watch the whole series. It's totally worth it. And the third one, it does wrap it up well. Um, then uh, If a Tree Falls, Story of the Earth Liberation Front. Zach, that's the one that had the, the Eugene connections there. It, it was decent, not not great. Then Helen back again, and then uh, Pina to end it. And Helen back again and Pina are both very similar in that, you know, 15, 20 minutes into it, you know what is going on, and you don't really need to watch the rest of the movie. So there's a, there's my power rankings of the documentary nominees from 2011. Riveting podcast fair, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody out there has watched all five of them and has very strong opinions <laughs> one way or well, another. Helen back again. It has 2.3 thousand uh, ratings on IMDb. So I think I don't think it's the lowest one. I have a feeling if a tree falls might be the lowest one in that. Okay, so that's that. Let's move on into our featured review. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zach movie ever made. You got to see it. Movie reviews. And for that this week, we are turning to the big release of the weekend that we've been waiting over a year, literally over a year, because it was supposed to come out this time last year, and they bumped it an entire year. And now we finally get it, and come to find out it really didn't do any good because it only made $10 million at the box office this weekend in Lead the Box Office, which is kind of insane. But it is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Tonight, tonight, the world is full of light. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life at home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him as long as you're in my house. I'm a grown-up now, Bernardo. I'm gonna think for myself. Tony, we need you if we're going to work. Who are you? Friend or foe? 
go with him. No one will ever forgive you. saying it's not a remake of the 1961 film that won best picture it is a remake of the uh of the original uh broadway show uh directed by steven spielberg uh the screenplay was written by tony kushner and i adam i think that you started something on twitter that i think only the three of us paid attention to but you saw this and you tweeted out that West Side Story is fine. And Zach's reaction was really interesting. So I want to hear <laughs> how this is going to go. So we're going to start. We're going to start with Zach. Zach, you're going to tell us um, all about West Side Story and what you thought. Okay, so West Side Story is the first movie in a while by Steven, Steven Spielberg. Um, as Terry mentioned, it's been... We've been talking about this movie for a long time. It was supposed to come out last year. It got pushback um and it is i guess a reworking of the 1961 musical uh that won 10 academy awards uh including one for rita moreno who has a role in this movie and she's also a producer on this movie i saw uh you by now you know we you should know the story of tony and maria which of course is based on uh possibly the most famous love story of all time romeo and juliet Tony's played by Ansel Elgort. Maria is played by newcomer Rachel Ziegler. Just doing a deep dive on Rachel Ziegler. She's got a very active uh, YouTube uh, social media presence. A uh, very kind of interesting uh, person. Anyway, uh, the movie uh, is um, very literal uh, to the original. There's not a whole lot of um, new kind of bold experimentation. Um, and I do have to say that I watched uh, the, the Spielberg West Side Story the day after I rewatched the 1961 movie. Now, I don't know if you guys did that, and I don't know how many people will do that, but that definitely shaped my opinion of this new film. Also, I thought I think about being, doing that, but I didn't. Yeah, also being in a theater, I think, really shaped it, too. And I applaud Spielberg or I don't know who it was, the studio, whatever, for not having this movie streaming. I don't think it would have made quite as big an impact uh, on uh, a small screen. But, you know, you can say that about any movie, I guess. Um, uh, so uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. I thought this was tremendous. I, I was really kind of blown away by it. I went into this movie with a lot of sort of mixed feelings about it. I felt like Steven Spielberg hasn't made a great movie in a pretty long time. We'll talk about his filmography in a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, how hard is it really to, you know, remake uh, one of the most beloved musicals of all time? Um, and especially with someone who is, you know, uh, painfully nostalgic and sentimentalist like Spielberg, this seems like it was it must have been an easy project. And uh, I was really actually surprised um, going into it. Uh, it it's it's. Uh, it is very literal and faithful to the original. Um, and scenes, actually, specific shots, set pieces, costumes look almost identical to the 1961 film. One of the things that I found about the 1961 film, rewatching it a couple nights ago, is that um, it feels pretty dated in a lot of aspects, um, both in terms of 
It's kind of social messaging a little bit. I think it kind of has this sort of naive worldview about racial tension, which is that if we just erase uh, race overall, um, especially if you have, you know, uh, whitewashed actors playing uh, Puerto Ricans, then all of the uh, troubles of the world will go away. Spielberg, I think, really remedies that in this movie by having um, actual, uh, uh, you know, Latinx uh, performers in the roles of the sharks. And um, as you may have heard about, there there's lengthy exchanges in this movie that take place in Spanish and there are no subtitles. And I really applaud that. Um, it's not like you really get lost in it, but I think it brings a sort of authenticity that the 1961 musical is missing. And that's one of the things that was apparent right away, even in the first 20 minutes kind of watching it. Oh, okay, this isn't just a vanity project for Spielberg. There's actually a real reason why this movie needed to be remade because the 1961 movie, as memorable as the music was, and maybe Natalie Wood and you know Rita Moreno, there are aspects of it that are dated. Another thing that's dated about the 61 movie is that it felt very kind of stage bound. It felt like it was just kind of shot on MGM back lots with some painted backgrounds. This movie feels like you're actually in the slums of Manhattan. Um, it, the camera movement uh, feels a lot more dynamic and immersive than the 1961 movie. You, you really feel like uh, it's a much more cinematic experience than the 61 film. And again, I'm, you know, I'm basing that on what, what I watched. Um, but what's I think the coolest thing that Spielberg did is he shot this movie on film and it actually strangely enough, in spite of the kind of weaknesses that I'm talking about with the 61 movie, it looks like the 1961 movie. In fact, if you were to like walk into the theater 45 minutes into the Spielberg West Side Story, you would maybe mistake it for the 1961 version. It looks paint like, like you know, it has that great sort of tactile film look to it that just looks tremendous. And um, again, you know, if you want to be critical of the movie, okay, you know, maybe you'd say it's just, uh, you know, a shot for shot remake, but it really isn't. It's I don't know, it's a strange sort of combination of nostalgic love for the movie, but also kind of recognizing that it needed to be reworked, I think, for modern audiences. I think the performances in this movie are are, are great all around. Rachel Ziegler uh, is uh, amazing as, as Maria. Um, uh, we have uh, Ariana DeBose as um, the Rita Moreno role, Anita. She has, she sings uh, America, which I think is the standout number of this movie. David Alvarez as Bernardo. Um, who is Maria's brother. Uh, we have a great newcomer in Mike Face as Riff, who is the leader, one of the leaders of the Jets. Uh, he's awesome in this movie. I'd never heard of him before. Spielberg <laughs> used, I think, a lot of um, Broadway performers in, in the cast. And Rita Moreno, I mean, I, go, I went into this movie kind of thinking that she would just sort of be a, you know, throwaway role. Uh, she's a major role in this movie. She has um, a great number, uh, a great song that she sings. I don't want to spoil it too much, but that was an extremely heartfelt moment. Um, Ansel Elgort, on the other hand, I think we have issues with, and I think maybe we should talk about as a group, he's the weak spot in this movie. I think he's a little too stiff as Tony, and obviously he has some baggage in real life that, that's, that's hard to deal with. Um, he's the one kind of blemish in what I think is otherwise a, a, an incredibly strong movie. I think it's a one of the major frontrunners for Best Picture, and I think it's a reminder that not all remakes are superfluous. This is a movie that should be shared uh, by many generations, newer generations who maybe aren't familiar with the 1961 movie, and a movie that is perhaps more timely in its depiction of race and ethnic conflict um, in New York City than even in 1961. So I'm giving this movie four stars. I was kind of blown away by it. And uh, yeah, I'm giving the Leslie Jones reaction. You know, Adam, what what, what are your thoughts about how how uh, did, did you love it as much as I, I, I don't know. Your, your, t your tweet was so cryptic. I, I can't understand uh, what, what your thoughts were. 
All right. How many times have you guys watched the original one before this? Probably maybe, yeah, three to five, somewhere in there. So I, I, we joke about my top 100 having like the sound of music on it. And I clearly have said I'm a Rogers and Hammerstein fan. Like I grew up watching those films, but I've never seen West Side Story like at all. Mm. I, I, I know some of the songs and everything. And a lot of the points you made, I definitely do agree with. I think this is probably Spielberg's best. Like he has fallen into a spot right now where he's just very safe feeling films like War Horse and Bridge of Spies. You know, those are films are like Spielberg not really doing anything special like we've seen before. Ready Player One, I think, is one that I will argue that it, I feel really nostalgic for because there's a lot of things going on in that film that I really enjoyed. But overall, his recent films haven't really shouted, this is a Spielberg film. From that very first opening of West Side Story, though, there's something special, I think, in this. I definitely will say that there are some things that makes me really want to rewatch it. I have I've been singing the, some of the songs through um, today as well. Uh, what I really had issues with, and you had kind of uh, actually before I bring up the issues part, I definitely want to say that the guy who plays Riff, Mike Fast, was one of my favorite. He's in my the running for one of my favorite actors, sporting actors of this year. I love seeing Rita Moreno in here. Um, I really love turning the TV show on Netflix uh, one day at a time. Uh, it's another kind of sh- similar kind of themes, um, but then it comes kind of a TV show quality, which is really good uh, show to check out. Uh, Ariana DeBro- uh, DeBose was awesome. And uh, the guy who played, uh, what's his name? Bernardo David Alvarez, really great standouts, breakout stars, I think. And uh, Rachel Zegler, also fantastic here. Ansel Elgort uh, is the one thing I had really kind of issues with. And right when I saw the scene where they just like looked locked eyes and like kind of fell in love with each other, I was like, feels kind of creepy uh, for me on that kind of the sense. Obviously, there's some baggage with that he come, came with. And there was that, you know, the, the, I guess a lot of outcry, not maybe not a big outcry, but there was some issues people brought up with his casting. I, I think he's good in this film, but there definitely felt like kind of, uh, I guess, a predator in, in a sense when those that locking because I'm like, there's the age gap. I know he's in real life really older than what she actually is, and that's kind of the same age that his allegations came out on. So that was kind of like just took me out of the, the scene. Uh, but I kind of fell in the Zach Saltz trap. I kind of fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> Uh, when he goes to the theater, it was also really late. Uh, so this is one that I, I, I think that my first time watching and some of the pieces, I missed some stuff and some of the numbers. I think it's a, a fine movie. So I'm still saying that I want to rewatch it again because I definitely can see it going up with more rewatches and seeing the it, it's full quality there too. Currently, I'm at like three stars. I, I think that I personally, out of the movies that I've seen musical wise, I think I prefer In the Heights a little better. I just connected with that one more. Uh, but I see, I can totally understand why this Spielberg went to uh, do this film because it has some of that magic that was missing from a Spielberg film in recent memory. So definitely a rewatch is in the cards for me on this one to try to get the whole aspect of the film because I think I missed like 30 minutes in the middle there. But there were some things that I, I'm kind of scared of going back and rewatching the original one and having that instant comparison with this one. So there's things I've definitely liked, but there were some aspects where I just felt that took me out of the film, if that makes sense. 
I like how it has a name now. The Zach Salt's Trap. Falling asleep hey, in listen, the theater. Falling asleep <laughs> is a very good thing. You know, those seats are comfy. It's dark. You don't got anything to do. I, well, I, I, I also had a couple of drinks before we went out on our first date <laughs> night in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> we had a couple of drinks. And, you know, it's like, you know what? Zach, uh, Terry asked me if I had seen the movie yet. And we hadn't yet. And he's like, what? The next showing 740. Well, what the hell? We could buy our tickets. We sit down like, this is two and a half hours long. Well, good luck. <laughs> my See, my wife like, fell asleep uh, like ten minutes in. <laughs> I feel like uh, if I fell asleep during like all of like Marvel's Eternals, I would probably give it a higher rating than I actually did. So I think there's something to be said about it. sleeping in a movie theater. Oh, uh, all right, all right. I, Adam, I I can appreciate where you're at, and especially not seeing the original and having no background with uh, with kind of where where this all started. Like I said, I've seen the original probably three to five times, somewhere in there. And um, it's always felt a little corny, the original. But there's something undeniable about it at the same time. And this one, I think, it, it there's there's always something to this music at, that some of the some of the music just you you hear like this just doesn't fit the vibe of what's going on but at the same time you you can't help but fall in love with it it's also and the the story's undeniable and it just it it just breaks your heart i love what spielberg did with this and like like you guys said he he's kind of fallen into this into this rut in his career where he's kind of doing, like you said, these safe projects that they all kind of look the same. They all kind of feel the same, but that trope that he has works here um, because there's something classic about West side story that needed his classic touch yet with the update, the update of, of setting it amongst um the, the the slum rezoning of New York City, which I thought was such a great addition to the story that wasn't in the original, that um that gives everything just a little bit more urgency and sets everyone a little more on edge and gives it gives it a reason, gives there a reason for, for this conflict. Um and then making sure that all the Latino characters are played by Latinos. I mean that's yeah. Awesome. That that was such a such a great part, and you you could feel it. There was there was this um, that they were you could tell they were proud to be on screen playing these people, um, and that that's always been something that's been a problem with the original, uh, yeah. that you always just kind of have to overlook when you're watching it. But uh, Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose, uh, David Alvarez, all all of them. Are, are just amazing. Um, I think Ariana DeBose is one of those that no, no matter what she's doing on screen, your eye is drawn to her. And, uh, and the same was in, uh, she was in the original cast of Hamilton, which is where you may have seen her before. She was the bullet. Um, so, uh, and, and she, she was the same there. You, 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 whenever she was out there, you, your eye caught her and she just has this magnetism to her on screen, which is, which just is amazing. Uh, Rachel Zegler's incredible in this. And I, I loved seeing whatever she was doing. Mike Feist. I yeah. agree with you guys. 
he was incredible also. So Ansel Elgort, I, I find he was fine. He was fine. Um, I find it interesting that there there's the narrative of, of the, the allegations against him, which came out over a year ago before this was originally supposed to come out. I find it fascinating how after those allegations, it feels like everyone has just kind of had this revisionist history on what kind of actor he was or he is. I, I like he's amazing in baby driver. Like he had, he has had some amazing performances and it felt like as soon as these allegations came out, it's like, Oh, well, he's a horrible actor. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, he actually does some decent stuff. He's, uh, he's fine here. He's got an amazing voice, which I didn't know about. He can actually dance a little bit, which I didn't know about. Uh, he, he gives an okay performance in the original, the performance by the guy who plays Tony Awful. is the worst part of it. Awful. It also, so it's kind of this thing. Tony is this almost impossible role to cast. Um, Ansel Elgort, as I was watching it, I felt like it kind of felt like Marlon Brando and guys and dolls. Um, he gives a fine performance in Guys and Dolls, but does he really belong in that movie? Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And that's kind of what I felt like with Ansel Elgort. He gave a fine performance. He he did what he needed to do, but does he really belong in that movie? I mean, it kind of felt like he was in a different. I mean, we talked about how, and when we talked House of Gucci, we talked how Jared Leto seemed to be in a different movie. I kind of feel like the same way in an opposite direction about Ansel Elgort and West Side Story. Um, at the same time, I don't think it dis- detracts from it too much because like I said, Tony is not the focal point of this movie. The, 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 the scene stealers in this movie have always been Maria and Anita and Bernardo and Riff. And though, those are the ones that, that, that steal it. And, but you need to have a Tony. Uh, I'm, I'm with Zach. I'm giving it four stars. I, I was, I was completely entranced by it the entire time. Like I said, Spielberg's aesthetic and the way he, he makes movies now, the way he shoots movies, it fit perfectly here. And uh, it, as if he sticks with the classics kind of like this and tries to, tries to bring to life classic, classic feeling films. Um, I, I think this, this could be the new Renaissance of his career. Um <laughs> And, and and if he stays in this lane, but yeah, I I loved it too. Four stars. Nice. I, I real quick, I want to piggyback on something you said about Ansel Elgort. It was funny as I was reading, kind of doing the timeline of the whole casting and the project and everything. Spielberg went on record actually said that he is a talented actor where he can he looks a lot younger than his actual age, but he also can pull off a brand Marlon Brando by just completely like changing his look to making himself. It's kind of funny. You brought up Brando and you compared him to. He kind of looks and, like Brando. Yeah, so it's a like he made bit. Spielberg made the comparison of Brando as well. Okay. So, I just I just thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, and you also said that if he sticks with some of the classic, what's a, a Spielberg movie that if he did Singing in the Rain would that would that frustrate you or would you think he could do something like that if he wanted? I, to I don't necessarily way? think like remaking a classic, but but just kind of sticking with with kind of a more classic vibe to a film i guess that's kind of what he's been trying to do too with like you could say that's what he did with bridge of spies and war horses he kind of had more of a of a classic classical vibe making an old making a new movie but make it feel old 
So maybe it doesn't work all the time, but it works. A flawed older movie. Yes. Maybe something like Good that. Call. Okay. So I, I wanted to add a couple of things about Ansel Elgort. I mean, uh, the allegations surfaced after the principal shooting for this movie had like yeah. had been a year old, basically. So they couldn't go back and refilm it. And I believe Christopher Plummer was dead at that point. So he could not be contacted <laughs> to play the role of Tony, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, Here's the thing that I want to add, though. Uh, here's the problem that I have with it, okay? I went on a little bit of an internet deep dive after this movie. That I shouldn't yeah. have done that. So apparently, you know, West Side Stories had this revival on Broadway that has also been uh, canceled and uh, prolonged due to the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. And I heard it wasn't very good, though. I've heard it wasn't very good with the exception of one thing, which was the actor who played Tony. His name is Isaac Powell, and I encourage... Mm -hmm everybody all four listeners to go youtube isaac powell that guy is amazing okay he has a phenomenal voice so much more dynamic looks quite a bit younger than ansel elgort he doesn't look quite as caucasian as ansel elgort gotta point mm. that out but oh my gosh now i cannot unsee that isaac powell should have been tony he would have been amazing uh, so much more uh, exuber exuberance and uh, excitement and enthusiasm for, for Tony. I don't know what, you know, maybe Ansel Elgort had some contractual agreement. Maybe Spielberg saw a baby driver and just like fell in love right away. But I cannot unsee that now. When I had seen the movie yesterday, I left the theater thinking, well, you know what? He was kind of bland. Maybe that's what they were going for. More of like a, you know, they have the scene where he's talking about the crime that he committed. He was in jail. Maybe he's just kind of a downer of a guy. And, you know, I think Ansel Elgar, he's fine. He, you know, he, he dances well and has a little bit more emotion in the last scene. But uh, Isaac Powell, man, that's that, that we need a new uh, award on the podcast. The Isaac Powell Award for what could have been had this amazing person been cast instead of this mediocre person. Obviously, there's the issue, the allegations. But, you know, I, I mean, I, and, and I, I fixate on that, too, and I'm troubled by it. But the, but the thing is, this movie is so much more, like Terry was saying, it's so, so much more than Ansel Elgort in this movie. And, and uh, it's not just even the other performances, but just the spectacle of the whole thing, the, the look of it, uh, the feel of it, the, the, the dance numbers. Uh, it would be a shame to bring this movie down because of the one yeah. sore spot, because I think a lot of people worked really hard um, on this movie. And, you uh, it's you know it it it, it sucks what happened but uh, I, you know this, this uh, normally yeah, I agree I mean I've I've disowned all of Woody Allen's movies whatever but this in this case I want to make an exception because there is so much more to this movie and it, it was so special to see and uh, gosh I I just I I kind of loved it I I was not expecting it to be as gritty or as dark as it was and yet as exuberant still during the musical numbers. Uh, the Rita Moreno song, which maybe we can spoil mm. because people know it. I was not expecting that. I, listen, I, yeah. I'm a pretty big fan of the original musical. I know all the songs pretty well. I was not expecting that moment to happen. And that was an extremely poignant and moving uh, musical number. Maybe her like take on, you know, Angela Lansbury singing Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. But like that was a great number. She's amazing in the movie. Um, yeah. And I think the movie just it, it gets more and more involving as it goes along. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel almost bad giving it four stars, but it was so such a great experience and a reminder that like not all remakes are evil. Like sometimes they're really necessary. And I 
if if the if the bottom line is to get more butts and seats for people to see this musical and to hear the music by with lyrics by the late you know, Stephen Sondheim, mm-hmm. uh, then I think they achieved their goal. And um, again, the focus on on diversity and more inclusiveness and more authenticity in the performances is a is a great reason for why this movie sh- should be remade as well. I think it was just all in all, uh, almost a, a near total success. Well, yeah. and you bring up the Rita Marine Rita Moreno. Uh, song um i it it was it was an amazing an amazing moment that was completely unexpected and 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 it was good or good and bad i will say because if you remember that song was my number two uh pick for greatest musical numbers in a musical because i love that song just the great being it's such a great song and it being the big musical number sung between uh between tony and maria it, it's it, it's it's brilliant but the, but having this quiet subdued moment with her um what what do you think are her chances i've, I've heard a lot of things about she might be able to sneak out a best supporting actress nomination or potential win for a movie that she was already in 60 years ago and won for I mean, what kind of what kind of craziness would that be? Yeah, Golden Globes. Here we go. Started off there. No, yeah. I, she was fantastic in that. I, I wasn't that a character she didn't wasn't in the original either. The she was Anita. She, she was the Ariana yeah, Bose character. This character that she was playing in this movie wasn't in the original. That's no, no. The Doc, idea Doc yeah. was her. Supposedly, she's the widow of Doc, who was the character, basically her character in the original. Okay, so it's just okay. Yeah, that would be a, I would be all on the Rita Moreno train if that happened. She's just a, a treasure, I think, too, from everything I've seen recently of hers. But yes, yeah, it'll be awesome to see if she gets some award consideration for it. Can we make fun of Todd for a second? Todd yes. was like discounting this movie a month ago when we talked with <laughs> our little Oscar update. I've been bullish about this movie. I mean, first of all, look, when Rita Moreno is going is presenting Best Picture at the Oscars, okay, you know that uh, they, there's a, there's something going on. They want to promote this movie. I think there are Oscar voters. Uh, any Oscar voter over the age of fifty is just dying to give this movie Best Picture. I think this movie. I'm not going to say it's necessarily the favorite. But I think it's a huge threat to Power of the Dog, and I would expect Oscar Morning for it to have the most nominations. Uh, yeah, this. I don't know Dune about is... most. I don't know about most nominations. That or Dune. Well, yeah, I was gonna say Dune is gonna collect a bunch of those texts, and it's gonna be hard yeah. to argue with that. Um, yeah. At the same time, yeah, you did. You don't know how much a it being a remake, not just a remake, but a remake of a Best Picture winner is going to be affecting it. Um, at yeah. the same time, do you think that the box office numbers are going to affect it? I mean, yeah, it was number one at the box office, 10 million. I mean, it, it's how many people are actually going to see this movie because it's going to be out of theaters in two weeks. I mean, look oh, at everything you have. True. No, look at everything that's coming out. You have so much stuff that still needs to come out before Christmas. I mean, th- this movie's going to be forgotten about in two weeks. You've got Spider-Man coming out next week. You've got all the Christmas movies the week after that. It's going to have one or two showings. Yeah. Yeah, Kingsman and and just all the, I mean, there's like five movies coming out on Christmas. It's by, by Christmas day, it's going to have one, maybe two showings. If that at, at your local theater, if it's only made, if it only made 10 million opening weekend 
and it's yeah. a Spielberg movie. This big, I mean, one well, of the I don't that, think I don't think Nomadland or Parasite made ten million in their opening weekends. I, yeah, I, I think box office valid point. That Moonlight, yeah. Moonlight two, as well. It, it it has it definitely has become less of a less of an issue, but when you have a movie billed as potential box office gold and it doesn't deliver can it be best picture winner yeah yes because this movie is directed by steven spielberg who who they want to give a third oscar to come on let's get real yeah. okay, three oscars is different than two oscars and uh this movie is inclusive it's diverse even though it's you know by by, by white men but it's still you know i think a fairly good job of, of doing that and uh, it's it's a tribute to old Hollywood. I mean, gosh, what what more could you ask for? And it's in theaters. They love that. There's no Netflix bullshit for this movie. I think it check marks all the boxes. Yeah. Now that we're talking about it, I definitely see like Spielberg being the front runner for best director. I think I was going to say Denny Villeneuve was going to be one of those guys that we're going to think about one day giving it to. I don't think Dune is the necessarily right pick for it, but I can see Spielberg. Getting his name announced Oscar Day, Oscar morning, Oscar if evening. Has, if he beats Jane Campion again, gosh, what bad luck, you know? Yeah, I was gonna say dog, Campion's yeah. been winning all the all the critics' prizes so far for Power yeah. of the Dog. So um, I still need to see that one. So that, I need to go check that one out. Also, what a what a great year for musicals! I yeah, mean, there's you, like you had In the Heights, you had uh, Dear Evan Hansen, Tick Tick Boom. Now you have West Side Story and Barb and, and Star. And what? Barb and Star. Barb, can't forget about Barb and Star. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and then even even you get into like the the animateds. You've got Encanto, which I actually went and saw with the family again yesterday, and it was vastly better on second watch than I said the first time. Um, and, and, and you you still have uh, you have Cyrano coming out too. They made that into a musical as well yeah. with Peter yes. Dinklage. I would love to see him get a, a nomination for that. So. What a great year for movie musicals. However, what have been the big disappointments at the box office? The musicals. In the Heights, bombed. West Side Story, $10 million. Tick, Tick, Boom didn't even try. It's a Netflix movie. Dear Evan Hansen did nothing. It's a pre-COVID, you know, uh, sort of uh, valuation statement. I mean, I just, I don't think, I don't think that matters in the world anymore. Interestingly, did you guys see that, uh, speaking of Dear Evan Hansen, Mike Faced, new MVP of the podcast, was the original Connor in Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Oh, I didn't see that, but that makes so much sense. By the way, Mike Faced as Tony, could that have been a thing? Like, I mean, he's great as Riff, no no issue there, but like, I think he could have played, like, he's awesome. He is awesome. He's not the MVP of the movie. But he's amazing. Like mm-hmm. he's out uh, to best uh, out of nowhere, out of nowhere performance. Mike faced out of nowhere performance. Let's make that a thing. Well, and yeah, and, we and Russ Tamblin like stole Mike the show as Riff in the racing. first one, and 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 Mike Fe- Mike faced is a faced or feist? I don't know, but whatever it is, he he steals the show in this one too. I mean, he he is he all the charisma and see that's the thing. Is you have all these charismatic characters, and Tony just seems to be Bland. a no charisma character. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that it's Ansel Elgort or the guy who played him originally, but it just seems to be this like no charisma part. So charisma vacuum. I I, yeah. I don't know, and I don't. And you, you mentioned maybe it was a contractual thing. I don't think it was because he's the only one with any name recognition in the entire cast outside of what 
Corey Stoll and Brian Darcy James. He's the only face that you've ever seen before. Well, Rita Moreno. Oh, and Rita Moreno. And Rita Moreno. But, I mean, that it's West Side Story and Rita Moreno. She's going to have a part. But um, Mike Faced is a Jet, and he could also be the name of the backup for the New York Jets. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, their backup right now is Mike White. So, I mean, well, it's, about a, it, it, it's about as generic as you get either way. So Can, can we predict what Todd's going to give this movie? Todd's going to listen to this podcast. Todd, you're listening right now. He's giving me like two and, and a half. He's going to give it two and, and a half. He's going to, he's, he's going, he's, he's leaning into the other way just to be, uh, you know, just, just to be contrarian. I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say two and a half. He'll, he'll like the Mike Face Feist performance though. That's, a, that's the one thing he's yeah. going to praise. Yeah. And Rita Moreno. Out. He's going to say Rita Moreno too. I th- he's gonna say Rita Moreno was distracting. <laughs> okay, that that's true. Okay, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Either way, 50-50 on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's it's thrice approved here. We've got two giving it four stars, uh, one giving it three stars, um, and and upon rewatch, Adam, I think it's yeah. it's gonna go up. And you need you need to watch the original too. Yeah, go, that's, go that's find the original. Watch the sure. original. Okay. Let's move on. That was a good conversation. That was one of our longest uh, reviews in a while. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Good stuff. We're off to power rankings now. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. And for power rankings, I believe... I won, right? I won last time when we were picking, yeah, picking Adam's holiday list. I got like four of the five. I was super excited. And the one I didn't get, what was the one I didn't get? Oh, Sandlot. I thought you were going to say Sandlot was a 4th of July movie, but they gave me crap for saying it, so anyways. So we're going off of, uh, yeah, we're going off of uh, of what we've uh, already been talking about. We've been talking about Steven Spielberg, and so we're going just simple here. Favorite Spielberg movies. Favorite Spielberg films. Are we more lowing? Um, no. Okay. Good. No, yeah, because if we were low, yeah. then then no one's going to talk. Um, and, Which may and be a we've good had, thing. We've had all these qualifiers on, in the past. Box? Yeah, we've had all these qualifiers in the past of not on our top 100. I mean, we're we're six months removed from revealing our top 100. We can talk about these movies again. Uh, so we can talk about it that, or we can put them on if they're in the top 100. No one per decade crap, anything like that. Just blanket, flat out, favorite Spielberg movies. Now, one thing you might look at is it's favorite Spielberg movies, not necessarily best Spielberg movies. So if you make a distinction there, your list might look a little different. Um, But anyways, favorite Spielberg films. And uh, yeah, this should be fun. This should be fun. So let's see here. We're going to start. We're going to start with Adam. Adam, number five. Oh, and like I said, we're going to be guessing Todd's list since he's the one that's not here. And so we'll be revealing those in a little bit. So, Adam, go for it. Number five. All right. So there is a distinction here. I was originally thinking of not having my top 100 movies on there just to go like the next ones to talk about some other films. But we are, what, six months away or from Mm -hmm. past. It's worth talking about these. And also what these movies, the next five movies did appear in my top 100 six spielberg films did appear on my that list but we're talking about six really six yeah i had six i counted um but we're talking about our favorite correct our favorite favorite spielberg 
favorite. My ranking is different than I was talking about best. Talking about the best 100 movies, I, I would rank them a little differently. So, to my number five pick, I would have to go with you know, I'm talking about favorites, something I, I can rewatch a little bit. I'm going to Saving Private Ryan on this one. Uh, mm. Obviously, this is a classic one. This would have been my number normally six pick, but with the, the word favorite is what's going to bump it up here. Uh, Private Ryan is one of those, one my first DVD that I ever bought for myself. I had this really cool collector's case, and it's one I actually used to watch quite a bit. Funny story about this one. My dad, uh, you know, as the first child, Terry might uh, know, understand this uh, thing, is their parents are a little strict when uh, you are growing up as the firstborn. <laughs> I couldn't yes. watch this movie for a very long time until my dad was able to watch it with me. My brother asked like three months after I watched it. And he's like, my dad's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was like, what the? I had to watch it with you, and you had to talk through the whole opening sequence about how this is really real. But anyway... <laughs> Private Ryan is such a, a, a brawling experience. Uh, that opening seat, um, scene on Normandy is some of the best shots, or at least opening scene of uh, a Spielberg film, I, in, in my opinion. Uh, I, Tom Hanks is awesome. The whole cast and crew is one of those be better ensembles that he's worked with. And Private Ryan is one that I can go back and uh, watch again and again just before the performances alone. And the story is it's fighting back those tears at the end. So uh, private Ryan number five saving private Ryan. All right. All right. Good choice. Good choice. Zach number five. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to also go with shaving uh, Ryan's privates uh, <laughs> or better known as uh, saving private Ryan. Uh, it is also my number five pick. Great call by you, Adam. I have not seen this movie in a long time. Uh, had I been a better man, I would have rewatched it. However, uh, yes, obviously, tremendous movie. Um, I think one of the great things about Spielberg as a director, whether you love his movies or not, he redefines cinema uh, with his great movies. And I think uh, Saving Private Ryan changed the way that action sequences were done in movies, changed the level of realism. You look at this movie and you see like Black Hawk Down comes out three years later, which is basically the first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, but extended out to two hours. And uh, even the Hurt Locker, I think, has a, has a bit of Saving Private Ryan in it. Um, the performances are amazing. How have we not deep dive this movie yet? I don't know, Terry, you're the expert. Yeah, I mean, what's this going is, on? What's come on? on let's that? let's get real. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that the, the shame of this movie is that it now gets remembered as, you know, the, the uh, uh, shared with Brokeback Mountain, the best uh, movie to not win Best Picture, thanks to Harvey oh, yeah. we uh, Weinstein. Um, but uh, it doesn't change the fact that it is a, a great movie, a testament to what a great filmmaker Steven Spielberg is and a great actor Tom Hanks is. Matt Damon, uh, he's not quite, he's maybe a little bit more of a Streisand movie, doesn't quite kick ass in this, <laughs> but uh, it's still very good. And uh, it's my fifth uh, most enjoyable Spielberg uh, rewatch. All right. All right. My number five is not Saving Private Ryan. But it might oh, be dang it. Yeah, I know, I know. It might be coming up a little later, though. Okay. No, okay. you know what? Screw it. I'm making it. I'm making it number five because it was gonna be number yes, four. We did it. So we're just gonna downgrade <laughs> it. Um, it was on my top 100, but uh, I mean, if we're talking favorites, uh, it, it's an amazing movie. Uh, I will say it's kind of hard for me to differentiate, um, Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers. When I think about Saving Private Ryan, I think about Band of Brothers. Um, oh, so good. 
I know, I know. I, I, oh, I, I listened to the, the, um, the official Band of Brothers podcast. If you haven't listened to that yet, go and listen to it. They actually interview some of the pe- people who played oh, wow. some of the, cool. some of the, some of the characters in it, and uh, they interview some of the writers, and it is brilliant, brilliant podcast. And if you're a fan of Band of Brothers, go, go listen to that. But Saving Private Ryan, for me, it all comes down to that. The, the first half hour that first half hour might be the the greatest um sequence of filmmaking of all time um because uh, in how they're able to capture uh this this warfare moment and this this critical moment like in the history of the world like this is one of the turning points of world history uh the turning point of the 20th century you could say and one of the most the greatest turning points of, of, of human history. And he's able to capture it in such a tangible way. And it is, it is amazing. And honestly, it doesn't really matter what happens the rest of the movie. And the rest of the movie is still, is still great. Um, but that, that first half hour, I mean, you can't, you can't argue with that first half hour. That is that, that makes this movie brilliant. I, and I mean, we always give Zach crap about only watching 45 minutes of a movie or anything like that. It, it, you just need to watch the first half hour of Saving Private Ryan, and I mean, they could have made that into a short, and it'd be the greatest film of all time. Um, and uh, yeah, so number five, Saving Private Ryan. Let's just do it all together. There we go. Maybe the greatest Done. party foul of all time that family members talk during the first thirty minutes of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I know, right? He's like, and we, we he used to pause it too, and it's like, see, this is what really happens in war. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I get it, Dad. <laughs> I get it. I love you, but uh, can we just play the movie a little more, please? Just, just let's just watch the movie. Five seconds later, see that's a guy holding his leg, and he got <laughs> blown off. Uh, all right, Adam, number four. All right, number four has no people carrying legs, but we do have a corpse for a time. Uh, number four is going to be ET, the extraterrestrial. Uh, this one I have appreciated more and more as um, I get older. My daughter actually really loves this film quite a bit. Uh, from the music to the character of Elliot to just this this journey, I think uh, Zach and I both had this in our top 100s. It's it's a, clearly a great film, even though the cover of it um, is completely edited. They removed a tree off the, the, the DVD just to show the full moon and uh, the, the bicycle in it where in the film it's there's clearly a, anyway that's that's logistics but anyway et is just a great uh, great film i enjoy every second of this film it's in the star wars uni- universe as well which is crazy because there's et's little uh in phantom menace but uh this is just a great spielberg film this is spielberg magic all over it and i had, had to put it as one of my favorites so et extraterrestrial you know you're a fan of a movie if you are criticizing the DVD artwork. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and it's, it's not the shot in the film. Yeah. It's not the shot of the film. <laughs> well, the DVD was controversial, of course, because originally uh, Spielberg oh, yeah. removed the uh, the shotgun uh, getting cocked uh, and decided, you know, that was going to be too controversial. He also took out the line about uh, penis breath. Um, but uh, I think in subsequent versions of the movie, that has been restored. Thankfully, thank heavens. Thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> what would we do without penis breath? Mm. Um, all right, <laughs> Zach, number four. 
Uh, okay, my uh, number four movie is also an abbreviation, but not the letters E.T. It is the letters A.I., Artificial Intelligence, a movie that uh, I saw when it came out, summer of 2001. Very interesting time. Uh, my, my formative years of uh, watching movies. And uh, I really dug this movie. It was, um, you know, supposedly Stanley Kubrick's last masterpiece uh, in the works for making it. And I think Spielberg did a really awesome job of blending both his own kind of artistic instincts, but with Kubrick's kind of coldness and aloofness and sort of dystopian look at the future. We also got introduced to Jude Law as Gigolo Joe, who was great. Um, and, you know, the movie is like, it has this very strange kind of tonal shift. I mean, the first hour is basically all about how Haley Joel Osment is, you know, he gets adopted by this family and uh, he develops this rapport with them and falls in love with the mom. And then there's the teddy bear character. And then the movie completely shifts gears. And then it yeah. becomes about this essentially lost Pinocchio-esque character who is abandoned and uh, in this strange dystopian future. It gets pretty crazy. A lot has been written about the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie. At the time, people thought that it was very sentimentalized, very hokey. They thought... Oh, this is Spielberg's uh, way to end the movie, when actually that was the original ending that Kubrick had envisioned as well. Um, and then I think upon rewatching it a few times, like Ebert, who also had misgivings about the ending originally, I've grown to accept the ending a little bit more. And actually, the ending being a, a, quite a bit darker than I think what you would initially sort of interpret it as. Anyway, just a real fun journey. Uh, always fun to get, uh, you know, mecha destruction uh, festivals and, uh, you know, those machines getting destroyed. And uh, just, you know, a real fun time at the movies. And uh, I think it's a movie that's actually aged pretty well. I wouldn't say it's my it's not, it's the best Spielberg movie, but it's one of the most rewatchable for me because it has, I think, a lot of Spielberg's themes. And it's just really kind of unique. Uh, it doesn't quite fit into any sort of it's not like it's, it's not a family film, but there's definitely like family dynamics to it. It's not really dystopian because it's more dramatic. It's it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but I think it's a really fun movie to, to rewatch. Admittedly, this is on, I've only seen this one time and I have, haven't seen it in many years. So I have to definitely rewatch this one. I originally had it lower down on my list, but hearing what your your praise for it. So it sounds like it's worth a rewatch. So it, it's a misunderstood movie, just like David was sense. a misunderstand, misunderstood little Mecca child. Uh, but it is uh, a, a very, very worth watching. Yeah, I think I've only seen it once, too, but I loved it when I watched it and I, I need to watch it again. It's in my next five. Like I, I couldn't just make five. I, I have I have a top ten and, yeah. and it's 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 in my six to ten for sure of Spielberg films. Um and upon rewatch, it might it might even go up. So, all right, awesome, cool. All right, are we number gonna do, are we going to do six to ten? Because I have six to ten. Yeah, let, let, I let, well, I mean, we'll we'll do that as our as our honorable mention. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay, uh, number four on my list is uh, this is really funny. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, number four on my list is Jurassic Park. Um, this. This movie is just it's just brilliant what what he was able to do with this movie. And it shows just it's, since Jaws, I mean, he he showed his, his practical effects and how he can make this big like monster sci fi almost but realistic blockbuster and Jurassic Park kind of puts it all together. Um, the the other the other other Jurassic Park movies um play a little more with the CGI. This one, 
not enough of it had been around yet that it feels so much more real and practical. And, uh, and it's a brilliant movie. It is so much fun from start to finish. Uh, all the characters are relatable. Uh, and I, I love, I love Jurassic Park. And so, uh, it had to be on my list and, uh, it was going to be number five, but then to, you know, to make us all have saving private Ryan, number five, it got bumped up to number four. So number four, Jurassic Park. (laughs) There we go. Perfect. Yes. To me, it's a little, it's, I I can never unsee Naked Gun 33 and a third, uh, their spinoff of it, uh, Geriatric Park. Uh, with young Sarah Edgerton, um, but uh, it is a fun movie. And trivia: it is Todd's girlfriend's favorite movie. I just learned. Oh, wait! Well, Taron Edgerton is in Naked Gun. Yeah, he plays third. he plays the kid in Geriatric Park. I think. Wow, that think. doesn't that doesn't sound right. Okay, I I'm, I want to say I want to say he wasn't alive yet, but you look I'm, that up. You I will look, look that it up. up. Adam, nice. number three. All right. So as I look at Spielberg's list here, uh, I didn't realize this, but like Spielberg has is like one of the only directors that have theme park rides based off his movies. There's at least four of them that have rides off of them. Indiana Jones, Jaws, E.T. and Jurassic Park all had rides at some point. Uh, One of these movies, number three is was an old ride that I wrote out of Universal Studios. And this is Jaws. Uh, Jaws for me, this is the movie that I'm still kind of scared to swim in the ocean unless i'm really paying high dollar to go to like hawaii like oh, then i'll swim but i'm not, yeah I, I saw jaws has made me scared of the ocean because of sharks and uh, jaws is just a, a brilliant film from start to finish this one that I, i've watched so many more times over the years than i did when i originally had seen it i have a couple copies of this on uh blu-ray and uh, 4k now too but it's just a I'm kind of amazing story for seeing something or not being able to see the actual shark itself for uh for very long in the film but you can always feel that a certain tension that it builds and builds and that has to go with the john williams score there as well but i love what uh, roy uh schreider schreider Schreider, yeah uh roy schreider's character in here uh and it's not like it's there's i hear people have heard things People pick it apart, but for me, it's just one of those films that I can just I could put on. I'm not bored by it. I've I've shown this film and watched this with my wife several times, and it was just one of those ones that I, I I just thoroughly enjoy. I can't really explain why I love it so much, but it's just an entertaining time. And I think Spielberg has that little bit of magic that still kind of gets me a little chill, scared when I watch it. So there we go, Jaws number three. Nice, nice. I've never seen Jaws. Oh my god. Oh so- god. <laughs> I honestly, I, I honestly don't know if I've seen it start to finish. It, I feel yeah, like it's one of I've those seen that parts I've, for sure. Yeah, I, that I've and whatever I've seen, it's been like at least 20, 25 years since I've seen any of it. It, it I yeah, I don't that know. and that and Elf were my two uh, white whales of movies I've never seen before. There you go. Yeah, there's could have been on a, that list. Actually. This could have been a holiday movie too. <laughs> yeah. technically. Oh really? Because, well, because it takes place over. Uh, the holiday weekend it's uh i think it's what fourth of july weekend that's when they're like that makes sense yeah so okay okay all right zach number three by the way it wasn't taron edgerton who plays the kid in geriatric part is taron killian oh that makes a little more sense sense. of saturday night live fame yes uh anyway uh okay my number three um is uh minority report which came out 
it, it, I, the, the, the experience of Minority Report is kind of interesting because Spielberg had like a, a break. Um, I think he made The Lost World and then didn't make another movie for four years, probably because of how terrible The Lost World was. And uh, and then so, you know, there was all this buzz about, oh, his futuristic sci-fi dystopian movie, uh, you know, uh, AI. And then six months later, we get Minority Report. And it's sort of like an afterthought because there was all this buzz about AI being Kubrick. So Minority Report kind of comes out and it's billed more as like an action Tom Cruise movie. But obviously, it's a great movie, obviously superior to AI. Another kind of comparison would be how, uh, you know, uh, Silence of the Lambs, we went 10 years, and then Hannibal came out. It was this big sequel, huge thing. And then, like, six months later, Red Dragon comes out, and it's even better. Anyway, uh, yeah, Minority Report. We're going to deep dive this next year, so, you know, we'll listen to that in six months. Uh, I, I recently rewatched it um, in the last couple months. It's a great movie. The last 30 minutes are a little bit of a mess, but, uh, geez, I mean, it is so, like, intelligent. It's, it's uh, you know... So intelligent. It's a brilliant script. It's a perfect merging of like technology, special effects, great action, Hollywood acting. And I think of any movie I've ever seen, it's most accurate in predicting the future. We're going to have those little eye scanners things probably someday. Yeah. And we'll have those little spiders and, uh, you know, all the cars <laughs> that are on the sides of the buildings. Like this movie to me is not dated one bit. And uh, it's I think it's 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 awesome. Um, I think that it's the highest price movie ever for product placement. I think they spent like forty five million dollars on it and it's so worth it. And there's, you know, a great there's a great sequence through a car factory that is basically a, a three minute commercial for Lexus. And uh, it, <laughs> yeah. it, I, don't, I, lo I love this movie. I, I would put it on any time of the day. It's in my top 100 as well. Murder. OK, anyway, very nice, very nice. All right. Awesome. Number three on my list. I mean, it has to be on the list. It's objectively his best film. And the post. but it's not one. It's yeah, exactly. It's not one you necessarily want to watch. But at the same time, it is an amazing watch. That's Schindler's List. Um, his other 1993 movie uh, other than Jurassic Park. I mean, how about that? Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of the greatest movies ever made, um, because of the subject matter and talking of the Holocaust and things like that, it, it's a hard watch at the same time. It's not necessarily one of those movies that I refuse to rewatch, um, because it's so well done. It is a perfect example again of Steven Spielberg's, um, tendencies toward, the sentimental and the classical that make this, this bleak graphic movie um, still cinematic and beautiful. And, uh, and that's really where, what makes Schindler's list stand out from other movies that have ha that have come out about the Holocaust. It, it, it's just, it's his ability to, to merge the, the graphic and the bleak, with the sentimental and, and put that all together and into, into a, a brilliant movie like this. So number three is Schindler's list. It's a good one. It's definitely a good one. That's one of, I feel like his, my favorite one of his as well, but probably not my, actually my, the best movie of his, but not my, one of my favorites to go back right. and watch. Right. So, so I, yeah, I agree. I, it should be on the list and mentioned for sure. All right. Adam, number two, number two, I got to go with the one that 
it's one of my it's oh my god i love this film a lot it's uh raiders of the lost ark gotta mention it harrison ford doing his thing which it would have been crazy if tom Selleck was the original he was the one he oh, was wow. uh he was originally supposed to be it indiana jones but they went with harrison ford which would it never would have worked it would never have worked it would never have worked it would have been horrible but anyway harrison ford there's, there's that constant debate which one's a better character han solo or indiana jones and I, I can't. I have a hard time answering that question because it's it's Harrison Ford's performances that really just are amazing in both films. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, I, I really enjoy the franchise, uh, even though there's hits and misses there. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is just a great adventure story from start to finish. That it is such a fun and exciting ride that it has Spielberg's magic on it once again. And it's, I can't see those um, the score, the scenes, the character itself, and the direction all playing in perfect symmetry with one another. So uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's in like my top 30. I think it's actually my top 25. So it's it's one of my favorites, like ranked in my top 100, and it's one of my favorite Spielberg experiences watching. So Raiders of the Lost Ark is number two. So I, I – oh, go ahead. You're not like Tarantino when it comes to Matrix. You're not like because Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls was so bad, it doesn't ruin the original canonical trilogy for you. There was only three Indiana Jones films, though, right? Well, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was the one was with Shia LaBeouf. Have Wait, you what? heard of that? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, what? oh, I, I oh. don't. Okay, well, obviously, <laughs> you're not. Uh, it, it has not affected you because you've never heard of it. No, because it didn't. I remember out. I watched that with uh, with in theater, and I was like, "That was pretty good." And then I was like, "That's the same exact experience I walked out of the Phantom Menace with when I was a kid too." I was like, "That was pretty good." Then rewatched, it's like this movie sucked. But no, I no, it did not affect my opinion on the original trilogy at all. So I have an interesting relationship with Indiana Jones. First off, I would say. Um, Han Solo's the better character. Indiana Jones is the more iconic. That's what I would go with. Good, good. good I like that. I, I'll agree with that. Um, so I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time maybe three years ago. Whoa. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, I missed it. Now, Temple of Doom and Last Crusade, I watched when I was like six. Oh, good. That's weird. <laughs> and I haven't seen since I was six. Um, I don't know why. I just haven't watched them. I loved them when I was a little kid. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm almost kind of scared to watch it because Raiders Lost Ark, I was like, all right, that was fine. But I loved Temple of Doom and I loved Last Crusade. And I'm almost scared to rewatch them now and be like, well, that they're just fine now. And not, you know, not, not like how I remember them. Anyways. So they didn't make my list. Um, right, darn. <laughs> now, what are your thoughts on on a potential Indiana Jones five? Now, oh, I, think I thought I they're already the... filming it. I think yeah, they I know. Started working on it. <sighs> Spielberg, hmm. isn't it Spielberg again? I think so too. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> geriatric park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I think they, I don't know. Then they not try to Spielberg. hand out the. It's not. Oh, he is producing it at least. I think. Yeah. Right. I think you're right. They backed up the truck uh, full of money to Harrison Ford, and he said, "Sure, why not? I can I can do that again." Um, I don't know. It. I'll still watch it. It can't be any worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? 
I mean, maybe. James Mangold is directing it. Oh, that's not okay. bad, actually. So, no, they won't be. Okay, and I'm looking at the cast as I hadn't looked at this before. So Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. But then it's got Mods Mickelson, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Toby Jones, Antonio Banderas. Mm, there we go. I mean, if Mods Mickelson is in it, it's going to be pretty good. So it's going to be like my number one of the year. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. 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 Yeah. I'm intrigued by Spielberg's ne- next movie, though, the one that he's got with uh, Jonah Hill. No, sorry, Seth Rogen. It's like autobiographical, and it's about his parents, I believe. Um, Ooh. I can't remember who oh. else is in it. Um, yeah, man, Paul Dano plays his dad, I think. I just the where was it? I can't remember what it's called. That the cast list was very intriguing, but it was the Fablemans. Yes, the Fablemans. Yes. Okay, so let's also written by Tony Kushner, uh, Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen, Paul Dano. Uh, Yeah, and and Julia Butters as his sister, growing up. Semi auto autobiography based on Spielberg's own childhood. Because Michelle Williams plays his mom, Paul Dano his dad, and Seth Rogen the uncle. Spielberg's dad in real life was the like the the character in Bridge of Spies, the Tom Hanks character in Bridge of Spies. Oh, interesting. Did you guys know that? Like that was I think no. Spielberg's dad's like I don't know if the story actually was Spielberg's dad, but like that was like Spielberg's dad's occupation or something like that. That's interesting. Weird. That's cool. All right. Zach number 2. All right, number two uh, has already been mentioned. It is E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, the version with penis breath and uh, the, the shotgun. Um, Harrison Ford also has a cameo in that movie uh, as the teacher who is dissecting the frogs. Uh, great movie. I don't know what more to add to it. It's in my top 100. It's, it's tremendous. I've always looked forward to a day that I could watch this movie in a movie theater. Uh, it, it had a very formative influence on my life. Um, even Ben Kingsley declared many years later that, uh, it should have won best picture over Gandhi, which I think we can all agree. Uh, so yeah, classic, uh, shaped many generations of moviegoers and, uh, apparently still being felt by children today. So it's, it's awesome to see. And thankfully never had a sequel with an 80 year old Harrison Ford. E.T. was another one that for whatever reason I didn't watch until like three years ago. Really? I just wow. Yeah. That's shocking. I mean, yeah. I, I like Jaws, Close Encounters, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those are somewhat understandable, but ET, I feel like, was so ubiquitous growing up. It, it, it I, I don't know how you escaped it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't you know. saw all, never... all seven Police Academy movies. Yeah. Well, no, I never saw the seventh one. Oh. I saw the first. I, I saw I saw two through six when I was a little kid. I never saw the first one because the first one was the only one that was rated R. Um, and I, I watched that one later in life. But which so for so obviously it's not as good as as two through six. Hashtag priorities. Yeah, exactly. All right, number two on my list is Catch Me If You Can. Um, it, it's it's just so much fun. And uh, I, I think this is uh, you had you had Leo in Titanic, but I think this is really his breakout of showing what he can do as a as a movie star. Because uh, I think he, Gangs of New York was the same year, right? So so in two thousand two, you had he was in Gangs of New York. You had Catch Me If You Can. Um, you had Tom Hanks going outside the box in a way he really hadn't done before. Um, as the cop chasing him and you had John Williams 
going outside the box in a way he hadn't done before, really, or at least in a long time, in uh, in the score that he put together for this, which was brilliant. Um, it, it's just such a fun cat and mouse uh, movie, and uh, I, I've I've always loved it. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just fun. It's just a great movie. So number two, catch me if you can. Good call. Good call there. All Zach, right. you just watched this, right? Oh, yeah. I not just watched it. But in the last two years, you signed to me. Again, somehow I had missed uh, yeah. it. I don't know where I was in 2002. I mean, I saw Minority Report in the theater. I don't know why I didn't see Catch Me If You Can. But I liked it. Didn't love it. But I would I would say if I had probably watched it when I was 15, I would have liked it a lot more. Yeah. Cool. All right. Adam, number one. All right. Number one is another top 100 film. Uh, and this is minority report the one that i will say is clearly spielberg's most underrated movie the one that i feel like people don't talk about enough when they talk about spielberg i think it's really easy to go with the the iconic ones with the john williams scores that everybody can hum and everything and having giant creatures and his oscar big oscar win with schindler's list and but minority report is the one that only got the one oscar i believe one or two oscar nominees tech categories but having this whole world of pre-crime with Tom Cruise trying to solve his own murder, like or his this murder that he was going to commit, uh, this cat and mouse film, and it, uh, but no, trying to track down uh, who and why he's going to commit this murder. I think it's just a fascinating film. It, it's a one that has spawned a video game as well as a TV show. So there's even more Spielberg love for different uh, mediums of entertainment there. But Minority Report for me is his most underrated one. That's one I've, I always would say would was my favorite film when everybody asked me, but I'm talking about best. It is, it's kind of, it's a little below the ones I've seen more and also Schindler's list too, but it's still my top 100. It's a great movie. And I hope to join you guys in the deep dive. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. I mean, there's a scene where Tom Cruise is chasing his eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, you, you, just, you can't up. get better. You can't get better than that. There's also a scene where he eats a really disgusting sandwich and disgusting <laughs> milk. I, it, it's wonderful. Don't scratch. Yeah, there we go. Don't scratch the eyes. It's good. All right, Zach, number one. My number one is Schindler's List, which is in my top five of all time. And I, yes, I know the caveat of this list is most watchable. But listen, I mean, Schindler's List is a great movie. It is a very watchable movie. It's not exactly yeah. the type of movie that you'd put in, you know, and just watch 60 minutes in. But uh, it's it's a classic, and I think it's it's the movie that uh, it's it's one of the only movies I can think of that made the world a better place. It, it marked Spielberg as a serious uh, director because up to that point he was known for you know again more special effects sort of spectacles. Um, it's a movie that I, I would imagine a lot of people were skeptical going into, just like I think a lot of people are skeptical going into West Side Story. But it shows what a genius storyteller he is uh how rich and how sophisticated and how complex the schindler character really is um it's a movie that i think also redefined um how how effects are used in movies we don't remember schindler's list for special effects but you know the, the killings in that movie are so much more brutal and graphic than i think anything made prior to 1993 like you compare schindler's list with like a movie like platoon which had won best picture seven years earlier. platoon's a good movie but like the killings in that movie feel like they're in a movie whereas schindler's list feels just so brutal and so real it feels like a documentary 
And uh, it's it, it's fantastic. It, it started the Shoah Foundation. It's probably the biggest reason why uh, Holocaust denial went went down, uh, thankfully, uh, in the mid '90s. Uh, although I'm sure there's still a contingent of people that still adhere to it, sadly. But uh, Schindler's List, I think, made an impact on the world, and it it's it's beyond the it's beyond filmmaking. It's it, it, it's uh, you know every human should see it. It's a great testament to humanity and and hope. So uh, and, and and also probably having the greatest uh, finish and end sequence uh, to a movie ever made. Agreed. And, and which call. is funny because you could maybe say Saving Private Ryan had the greatest opening sequence to a movie ever. <laughs> so there we go. The man knows how to start and to finish. Just sometimes in the middle, he gets a little lost. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hearing he just needs to stay in World War II. But then Bridge of Spies was okay. I mean, I guess that was cold. Well, Bridge of Spies, yeah, that was after yeah. World War II. Okay. World I think Raiders of right, the Lost Ark was a little, was just pre-World yeah. War II. So maybe just the 30s yeah. and 40s. There we go. There we go. All right. Number one on my list is the same as no, as uh, number one on Adam's list. It's Minority Report. Um, it's been way too long since I've watched this movie. Uh, I need to rewatch this one. It is... It's one of those movies where you hear the premise and it starts out and you go, ooh, where is this going to go? And the places it goes are so fascinating. And and Spielberg is in full like he has he has two modes, right? He has his artistic mode and then he has his blockbuster mode. And this is one of those where they kind of merge a little bit. Um and uh, he's able to do an artistic blockbuster, which might be why it wasn't as well conceived or as well received as as other movies. But it's so it's so good. And and what it what it tells us about. About just kind of who we are as people, I think, is fascinating. Uh, Tom Cruise gives an amazing performance, yet still in an action movie. Um, it, it, it shows Colin Farrell at, at his peak in in 2002 and uh it, it's just it's just brilliant in so many ways so number one on my list is Minority Report which fascinatingly means that only three years are represented in my list because I've got Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can from 2002 then I've got Schindler's List and Jurassic Park from 1993 and then Saving Private Ryan so kind <laughs> of interesting there okay so uh, let's recap. Let's go down uh, five to one and then we'll reveal our six to ten and uh, and kind of go from there. So, Adam, five to one. Well, I think uh, obviously it's best for us to think of Schindler's List, in my opinion. But for this list, number one, Minority Report. No, five to one. Sorry. Saving Private Ryan, number five, four, E.T., three, Jaws, two, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and number one, Minority Report. All right, Zach. Uh, number five, Saving Private Ryan. Number four, AI. Number three, Minority Report. Number two, ET. And number one, Schindler's List. And for me, number five, Saving Private Ryan. Number four, Jurassic Park. Number three, Schindler's List. Number two, Catch Me If You Can. Number one, Minority Report. All right, let's reveal. Uh, let's go six to ten. Adam, what are your six to ten? This is where it's going to get interesting. I think hearing our, mm -hmm. each other's list. So, number six, I have Catch Me If You Can. Number seven, I have Jurassic Park. Uh, eight, I have Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Nine, I have Ready Player One. 
And number 10, I have War of the Worlds. Good, so. good. I, I like that some of those got in there. I, I was so. a fan of Ready Player One. Me too. Um, I would say War of the Worlds was a better movie, though. I, I like that one getting in there, too. Yeah. I would say War of the Worlds was one of his three worst movies. I feel the, about War of the Worlds that Terry feels about The Post. I think it's awful. But I really did like Ready Player One, and that would be maybe in my 12 or 13 range. Not a bad list. All right, so Zach, give us your 6 to 10. Uh, okay, I didn't put any Indiana Jones movies on here because I've seen them, but I really don't remember them that well. I didn't really grow up with them that closely. I enjoy them for what they're worth. I would want to rewatch them before officially committing to them. So maybe I'm kind of in the list. same boat. I I'm in the same boat. I didn't really have time to rewatch them. Anyway, number 10, uh, a movie that I did rewatch fairly recently, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Number nine, The Color Purple, which is not oh, a great see. movie. It's not a perfect movie. I think it has aged really bad in some respects. However, I appreciate the audacity to make the movie that Spielberg made, and it introduced the world to uh, Whoopi Goldberg, which I think uh, justifies the existence of the film. Number eight is Munich, because Jews need to kick more ass, as Seth Rogen <laughs> said in Knocked Up. Number seven is Lincoln. And number six, I'm doing it. I'm going West Side Story. I, I, it, I, you know, it's uh, it's a four star film for me, and it was uh, one of the best theatrical experiences I've had watching a Spielberg movie. I'm not gonna fight you on that. Two of those movies I haven't seen: Close Encounters of the Third Kind and The Color Purple. So Spielberg oversight for sure. But I like it. Good mentions. Good more films out there. Munich's so, I've only seen one time too. So I, <clears throat> Eric Bana. Need Munich, watch, I need to watch that again. Munich is like a lesser minority report. It is a great two-hour movie, but it gets not so great at the end. So uh, looking at what Spielberg has in his uh, producing future, in 2023, they're looking at uh, releasing a movie version of the musical Color Purple that was on Broadway. Uh, so that's coming out soon. Um, also, uh, he is an executive producer on the uh, miniseries that is currently filming Masters of the Air, which is the uh, basically the uh, the flight version of Band of Brothers, World War Two. So they had Band of Brothers, they had the Pacific. Now they they're gonna have Masters of the Air. So just to kind of throw that out there. Okay, uh, my six to ten. Uh, my number six, I'm doing the same thing Zach did. Upon rewatch, West Side Story might be in my top five, but for right now, I'm leaving it number six because I'm kind of afraid to put it in the top five after just seeing it a couple days ago. Uh, number seven is one that hasn't been mentioned yet, but I love It's the Terminal. Uh, Tom Cruise, Catherine Zeta-Jones. I mean, the it, it's kind of a goofy, silly one, but the acting job that... Tom Cruise does to Tom pull Hanks. off being or Tom Hanks. Good grief, Tom Hanks. Tom he Cru does. Tom Cruise as Victor. What's his name? I, I'm Victor. Not uh, well, what was his name? Victor. Victor um, or uh, uh, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, he was from Krakosia. Krakosia. That's right. Hold on, I got yeah, it. But I can't remember his actual name. Let it's me look it up here. Victor Narvarsky. Narvarsky. Victor Victor Navorsky from Krakosia. Yeah, Victor Noworski. Yeah, that. Oh, I love that movie. It's so good. Um, number eight, I have AI. Again, only seen it the one time. And that, actually, eight through ten are all movies I've only seen once that I need that um, would need to rewatch. AI, though, was brilliant. Um, 
number nine, Munich, again, kind of like what Zach said. Definitely needs a rewatch to uh, to be up on the list to higher, but it I remember just being blown away by it. And number 10 on the list, um, if I was going to say best movies, it would probably be in my top five, but um, I don't really ever feel like I have the need to rewatch it, and it's Lincoln. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis, though, is just brilliant in that movie, but um, it, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've never been like, you know what? I need to watch Lincoln. That that has never crossed my mind since I watched it. So <laughs> that that yeah. I don't know why so, that was so funny. Now um now I will say I, I I did the math here. So he has Spielberg has directed 34 films. Nine of them I haven't seen. One of them is the color purple, so it wasn't on my list. Um but I do have a bottom five. Oh yeah, I got so, a bottom five. I got a bottom five. Oh, you get you all have bottom five. All right, well then, then let's let's do this now. Adam, bottom five, Spielberg, go. Starting okay, so let me see. Uh, currently, right now, uh, my bottom number five worst is War Horse. Four, hey, Bridge Paul. of Spies. Three, Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Two, the BFG, and number one, nineteen forty one. Wow, I've never seen nineteen forty one. Neither have I. It's not a good comedy. Belushi, Aykroyd, yeah, it's not good. It's another uh, war movie. I've seen twenty five of his films, so it's it's my least favorite one. I think I think I read somewhere that nineteen forty one was originally supposed to be a musical because West Side Story was his first musical, but nineteen forty one was supposed to be. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Zach, bottom five. All right, number five, also Bridge of Spies, which really isn't a terrible movie. It's just not. A great movie and mark ryland should not have beat our boy friend of the podcast mark ruffalo uh number four war of the worlds which is terrible i saw that opening day oh. so many high expectations for it just yeah, really bad again it's been 16 years since i watched it maybe i should revisit it i really don't want that to, might though. be my number number 11 like it, it, what it is so good about it i just remember I being it, so like just uh, anyway i don't know it was, it was bad number three kind of in the same boat lost world saw that when it came out was looking so forward to it just really unmemorable unremarkable i don't you know i just remember being disappointed by it more than that, the actual film itself number two is a movie i do remember which sucked which is war horse and number one we have not mentioned this film yet i controversial pick maybe we deep dive it next year but hook is trash i i hook i mean you, you i guess you know you grow up with it it has iconic elements to it but even spielberg disowned the movie i mean he he was himself very critical of it and it's just such a mess of a movie and so bad on so many levels and such a disappointment to see that caliber of talent do something that poor so never saw hook movie. really wow. yeah. yeah i think that's his lowest on rotten tomatoes i think it's that's it's near the bottom of my too. In a way, I would watch Hook over all of those other four movies because it's interesting what a disaster it is. And there's a lot of talent in it. It's just a really, really bad movie. It's like a, it's a train crash, basically. Kelly Roberts is good as Tinkerbell, though. I mean, I don't even think Dustin Hoffman's bad in it. It just looks no. bad. It's a misguided project. It's weird. I, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Makes all sense. right my my bottom five number five i was really struggling on what was what was number five it lost world jurassic park is what i ended up going with maybe bridge of spies could slide in there but we'll go with 
Lost World. I mean, whenever you have to have Jeff Goldblum as your lead instead of your supporting guy, it's it's not going to go great. Number four, Adventures of Tintin. It's like an animated. Aww. It's like an animated uh, uh, Indiana Jones, but boring. Uh, number three is Warhorse. Number two is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And number one, you all know, The Post. Just boring. I, I don't even know why. I haven't seen it since I watched it in the theaters. Maybe upon rewatch, it'll it'll get better. But there are so many better movies about that time period and about that actual event, like All the President's Men, that yeah. The Post is just, I don't know. It, you- it, it was It was... Spielberg using his artistic talents at the worst possible moment. Are you saying it shouldn't have been nominated for Best Picture, Terry? That oh, good grief! That feels like heresy. The bad because he had to buy it. He had to buy it on Blu-ray. Yeah, you, that, that's, that's exactly right. I own <laughs> he had it on to support Blu-ray it with his wow. money. He had to because support it, it with his because money because it won be- or was nominated for Best Picture, and it it all it had it was just picture and actress. That's all it got. That's all it got. That's out of respect. I yeah. liked it for what's worth. I thought it was I thought it was fine. I'll watch it if somebody beats me in trivia today. That's, I need if to, somebody I need assigns to me that. It. I'll watch it then. I need to rewatch it. I really do. Okay, now's the time. Predicting Todd's list. All right. Where's yeah. Todd gonna go for his uh, for his list here? So we're gonna go to Adam first. Give us okay. Give us your prediction. Five to one. Where do you think Todd's going? I don't know. He could go multiple ways. It's gonna, this is tough. I mean, it is. It predicting is. is always tough. Uh, number five, I, I'll go. I'll throw Jaws out there. Four, I'll throw War of the Worlds. Three, Schindler's List. Two, Minority Report. And one is going to be Catch Me If You Can. Okay. Okay. Uh, Zach. I'll go number five, Jurassic Park. Number four, Minority Report. Number three, Jaws. Number two, Saving Private Ryan. And number one, Catch Me If You Can. All right, I'm going number five, Saving Private Ryan. I'm going to keep the, the theme going here and think he did he did it too. Number four, Minority Report. Number three, The Adventures of Tintin. Uh, number two, Schindler's List. And number one, Catch Me If You Can. I mean, it was his only Spielberg on the top 100. We all know. Yeah, I mean, he loves that one. Yeah. Okay. All right, so here is Todd's list of his favorite Spielberg films. What's going on, guys? Uh, so we're doing the favorite Spielberg movies, not the best Spielberg movies. That'd be a way more like consensus list. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. He has a handful of really good movies. He's pretty similar to Ridley Scott in that way. Uh, I haven't seen West Side Story yet, but uh, this will be interesting. It's more about watchability than it more is about, you know, his uh, really important movies. So here's my list. I got honorable mentions: uh, Jurassic Park, Duel. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and E.T. Number five, I have Minority Report, Sorry. which it's been a, quite a while since I've watched it, but I'm sure we'll deep dive it next year. It'll be really interesting. It's a great movie. Number four, I have Saving Private Ryan, which is the rare war movie that is actually really rewatchable. There's also a ton of characters in that. I'm sure we'll deep dive that at some point. Uh, number three, I have War of the Worlds, which oh. has the full sci-fi talent on display from Spielberg. Come on. It's now insanely underrated, and everything he's done since has basically sucked including five <laughs> best picture nominations soon to be six um, this is his last great movie uh number two i have jaws which oh. i've rewatched a couple times in the last couple of years it's moved way up my list I, i'm now sort of obsessed with this movie 
And number one, I have Catch Me If You Can, which is my number 47 of all time. It's the most breezy, entertaining, most intelligent Spielberg movie. It's uh, also, without competition, like the best Spielberg movie. Uh, it's the perfect blend of his historically significant movies and his popcorn entertainment. It's just a great caper, true story. I love Catch Me If You Can. So yeah, number five I have Minority Report. Number four, Saving Private Ryan. Number three, War of the Worlds. Number two, Jaws. And number one, Catch Me If You Can. Take it easy, guys. So Adam's motioning like he's the winner. Did you get all of those? I, I got, don't. I got four out of four, five. I got four out of five as well. I oh, got. Okay. Okay, I got man. not that. I I got. <laughs> well, I got three. I got three. So okay. I, I we both had obviously catch me if you can as his number one. I had Saving Private Ryan, Jaws, and Minority Report. I had the War of the Worlds pick. He did have War of the Worlds. So so it was Minority <laughs> Report, Saving Private Ryan, War of the Worlds, Jaws, and Catch Me If You Can. So we all had Catch Me If You Can. I Zach, what do you have number two? Saving Private Ryan. Okay, and, and Adam, what do you have number two? Minority Report. Okay, and then so, number three. Jaws. Zach, what do you have number three? Jaws, Jaws and? Schindler's List. Okay. Oh, so that's the it. one you missed. So then, Zach, what would you have number four? Minority Report. Okay, and Adam, you had? War of the Worlds. And number five? Jurassic Park. Jaws. Oh, that's tough. That was close. Let's share the win. How about that? That's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Four out of five is pretty good. You four out of five is pretty good. And, having, and, and both I mean, getting number one. Well, so, so Adam had War of the Worlds. What was the one you had that he didn't? Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Okay. In hindsight, when he when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, duh. I sh- that's the movie I should have put in my top five. <laughs> duh. I had I had Jaws, and I I kept on I kept on uh, as we were talking, I kept on changing things around, and I eventually kicked it out. I I decided I felt like I put in Adventures of Tintin over Jaws because I felt like that was something stupid he would do, and then he didn't. I like he the always shout had- out to Duel though. He always has a stupid moment in there, right? He always has that oh, moment where you're world. like, dude, what what the hell are you doing? And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to prove that I'm smarter than the rest of you. And I thought Adventures of Tintin was going to be his his uh, his foray into that. But I like this method. I think uh, you should send us audio uh, of you, Adam. Although it is really funny having Terry read your or sometimes <laughs> misread your commentary, your written commentary. Uh... Yeah, it's almost better. But yeah, I like the uh, the I like hearing. It's interactive. It's wave of the future. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So you guys are going to share the win. You guys can decide who's going to pick power rankings. There we go. Uh, from that, I know Zach. It's been like no. Like, I was going to say almost a year the... since you've picked. So you let's can... Zach pick. Let's Zach pick, and I get a point too. So there we go. Got my first point. I'm catching up, how, guys. How about that? Adam gets the point, but you get the you get the pick. No, I want the point. Too. No, no, you know, he can get the point. <laughs> Give him the point too. Give him the point. Right, I just right. let him pick half half point for each, or is it is no, it full a point? Full each. No, full point for each. Full point. I keep score. Each. He's not here. We're we're yeah. going for it. Full point for where's, each. Where's Todd? We showed up today. Exactly. Exactly. Story. Uh huh. Hey. If I'm being honest, Todd asked me what the category last week should have been, so I, that was my my call. 
okay. I, I suggested that holiday movie one. Yeah, that's true. You did. You did. And 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 Zach crapped on it the entire time. So uh, no, I, I don't care. I don't it. care. I don't. It, it worked. It worked. <laughs> it was. It was like you were signing um, that uh, that uh, Chris uh, Pratt movie. Uh, oh, it, tomorrow it, work. It ended up being a great pick. It just took a <laughs> yeah. second. Yeah. All right. So so you both get a point. Zach gets to pick the next power ranking. Let's move I on to it. trivia. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Void is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. We've got nothing to report on because Todd was the last one to win and he's not here. So neither of us watched what we were supposed to watch. I actually have what I'm supposed to watch downstairs, but I didn't watch it. Um, Zach's never heard of what he's supposed to watch. So <laughs> that's the best Todd, part. What, what is it? Text me. When you hear this, text me. I'm not going to remember. <laughs> You're going to need three texts with the title in it yeah, before you actually remember one. what you're supposed to watch. But uh, Zach has a category to uh, to quiz Adam and I. So, uh, Zach, what are we doing? Well, actually, we have three categories, three kind of oh, mini categories. Gosh. And uh, here's the deal. These are, these are lists, okay? And you're going to guess which films appear on the lists, special lists that have been released recently, um, best of sort of lists. And here's the oh, deal. You... You are allowed one mulligan, and you can decide when you want to use the mulligan, okay? On um, which list to use the mulligan? Right, but you're not going to know, you know, I'm only going to release the list one at a time. So it may be that you just decide to use the mulligan right away, or maybe you wait, and hopefully it's a better list. Who knows? And so Zach. It's, it's, yeah, this should be fun and entertaining. Okay. Animated so, Batman. Animated Batman. Animated it's sadly Batman. not animated Batman. <laughs> Oh, so uh, last week, the Writers Guild of America released their 101 greatest screenplays of the 20th century so far. 20th, guys... 20th or 21st? I'm sorry, 21st century. My bad. So of the of the 2000s. So 101 far. greatest screenplays of the 21st century so, so far. far. Correct. Are there in, so. uh, does 2021 count? Uh, I, I'm uh, not going to answer that. I'll bet I just, I'm not seeing a lot of 2021 movies. Believe it or not, The Tomorrow War did not make this list. So, damn it. Uh, I, you could guess a 2021 movie. I'm, I'm not sure if it will appear on here, but it is movies from 2000 onward on. So, I don't know if you guys saw this list. It's an interesting list. We're going to start with Adam. Adam, what, do you have a guess for what may have appeared on this list? Oh, God. This is, a, this is my strong suit. I don't know. Uh, let's go Parasite. Parasite, I believe, did make the list. It is number four, so you get a point for that. that nice pick at number four. I, that, that's that's a, a, that seems about right. That's a solid, that's a solid first guess. I'm going to go the Social Network. Social Network is number three. Let's go with Argo. Argo is number 85. Oh, God. Thank God. <laughs> the Departed. The Departed is uh, on the list. It is number 30. Okay. 101. That's a lot. Okay. What is Zero Dark 30? Zero Dark 30 is not on the list, Adam. Adam, would you like to use your mulligan right now or wait until we have another list you know i will wait oh okay. no wait what, what wait, you were going to change your mind what uh <laughs> let's just let's just go to terry how about that 
we'll, we'll, Adam will we'll wait to use his mulligan uh, at a later time. All right, all right. Terry. I'm going to say Moonlight. Moonlight is number six. Here we go. Mop 12 up. Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave is number 54. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain is number 13. The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker is number 61 by friend of the podcast, Mark Bull. All right, that's all I had written down. So let me think for a second here. I'm going to throw out there uh, Ghost World. Oh, your favorite movie. I like it. Yeah. Uh, sadly, yeah. did not make the, the, the top screen. Inexplicably yeah. did not make the top because it's a great screenplay. I thought I thought it was a good guess. I'll read you the top 10. How about that? There we go. You can look at the list for yourself. Number 10 was Memento. I don't know how you guys missed it. Oh, that. God. Number nine is a little movie that we named our podcast after, Almost Famous. Number eight is Inglorious Bastards. Seven is There Will Be Blood. Six is Moonlight. Five is No Country for Old Men. Four is Parasite. Three is The Social Network. Two is Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. And the number one screenplay, very interesting choice, Get Out. Oh, wow. So, so, so now that you said that, we're sideways on the list. Sideways because we didn't say sideways. Uh, number fifteen, <laughs> pretty high God. up. How about that? Bridesmaids was twelve. How about that, Lem? Boo, bridesmaids. Wow. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's my that's my Oscar watch for next week. Uh, yeah. Never seen it. Never seen it. Interesting. Next so, week. Uh, Terry has a pretty commanding lead here, Adam. Maybe you should have bought back into this, but uh, Terry is up six to two at this point. But okay. both both um, of you still have mulligans still in play. So we're going to go to the next list. This one's a little bit of an older list. Uh, this no. actually came out in 2012 from Editors Guild magazine. And it is the 75 best edited films. Now, these are best edited films of all time. I don't know how this list never came up when we did our, you know, best edited movies that didn't win best editing Oscars or whatever. You may remember which one we, we we ranked number one as a consensus. This is the publication of editors in Hollywood. So this isn't just some random assortment of people. These are actual editors who selected the 100 and, or excuse me, 75 best edited films of, of all time. time. Now, and this, this is, was published in, in, 2012? in 2012. So uh, unfortunately, Get Out is not on this list. Okay. Bridesmaids could be, though. So we started with Adam on the last list. We're going to start with Terry this time. I mean, a list like this has to have Citizen Kane on it, right? Citizen Kane is number two. Obviously, this is I know I know my weaknesses in my the movie list. <laughs> These all the tech categories stuff. I get it. Let's see here. Mm, well, let's see how this works. Schindler's List. Schindler's List is number thirty-seven. Okay, well, there's the at least something. At least it's something. So, I'm going to go with The Godfather. The Godfather is number six. But Goodfellas? Goodfellas, I believe, is, yeah, number 15. That's a good, that's a good one. Um, Should be hard. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde is number five. That's that's one that all the film historians love to talk about. I, I feel it, like this is. list is a very big sort of film historian list, but I'll leave it at that. All right, Adam. Duly noted. The pick is yours. <laughs> Would Pulp Fiction be on there? Pulp Ooh, Fiction is number 18. 
Casablanca. Casablanca is number 34. You're missing some big ones. The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. That is not on the list, Adam. They did not have a flashlight. Don't give me anything they don't have. Would you like to buy back into this list? Sure. You... Oh, okay. Sure. Wow, ballsy move. Okay, well, well, let's let's go to Terry next, and then we'll go to Adam. Oh, so that okay, okay, that's how we're doing it. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, the one that we loved that was left off uh or that wasn't nominated was requiem for a dream so i'm going that requiem for a dream is number 29 okay 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 concentrate concentrate okay always space out on the old movie movies not all of them are old there are there are definitely some recent movies i'll just throw that out there And I take it some of them will have one best pick or best editing and stuff like that too. It it, it may be. May maybe maybe maybe. Um, let's go. Let's throw our hats into the. Born ultimatum, because I know that one. The born ultimatum. That's wrong. That's not the one I wanted to do. Is on the list. <laughs> It is number 66. Oh, oh wow. I, I don't know how I pulled that one out of my ass. <laughs> that was like my game show host moment. With great skill and precision, that's how you pulled it out of your ass. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Memento. Memento is number 14. Mm. I, th I think Adam's struggling here. Oh yeah, I I don't yeah. This is this is my. I have two movies here. I'm like, do I even want to take a chance on these ones? Hmm. I say go. yes. Take a chance. Take a chance. Fine. The Departed. The Departed is not on the list. See. Yep. See. You, no. It's good. It's good. It's all right. Terry, any more? Rocky? Rocky is 74. Ooh. Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard is not on the list. Ah, all right. I've got a few more written here. Can I just check? I don't want to use my yeah. thing. Uh, you don't want, want to use check. yours. Okay. No, no, no. But I just want to check. Uh, uh, all About Eve? All About Eve is not on the list. Double Indemnity? Double Indemnity, not on the list. You guys are going too old. How about Lawrence Dark, of Arabia? Dark Knight. Lawrence of Arabia is number seven. Dark Knight okay. is not on the list. You guys are missing okay. number one, which is a movie yeah. we've deep dived. Oh, deep dived. gosh. And that is Raging Bull. Oh, uh, I thought Monster you were going to say Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> not Naked Gun 33 and third. Speed is on this list. Speed what? is number 61. <laughs> Curiously, there's a tie at 61 between Speed and the Buster Keaton classic Sherlock Jr. <laughs> go figure. There we I, go. All right. I thought you were going to say between Speed and Die Hard. That would have been a lot better. 
No, I don't think Die Hard's on the list, but uh, Terry's favorite movie of the 2010s, Inception, is number 35. Oh. The original West Side Story, number 38. Okay. What, what's the top 10? What's the top 10? French Connection at 10, JFK, Jaws, Lawrence of Arabia, The Godfather, Bonnie and Clyde. Now, number four is a weird one. All That Jazz. Now, I don't know oh, what, yeah. they, what they were smoking at the time, but that's a weird pick. I've always thought that movie's kind of overrated. Number three, Apocalypse Now. Number two, Citizen Kane. Number one, Raging Bull. Okay, so Terry has a... Uh, it's not over, but Adam's going to need a lot of help on this last list. I know. I, I, haven't feel like, used, I haven't used my mulligan yet. I feel like Adam could... It's This is a bit, this is a better list, I think, maybe for Adam. Uh, so uh, Terry leads 13 to 6. The final list comes from our good friends at the Big Picture Podcast put on by The Ringer. They came out with a list of the top 35 actors under the age of 35. I think they came out with this list a couple months ago. So it is a very so is recent this, list. Is this just males or is it males and females? Males and females. Under 35. And I would assume they, them as well. Yes, it, it is any actor, actress uh, under the age of 35 <clears throat> currently working in film. Although maybe some of them have done TV as well. Looks like some of them have done TV. Uh, I will just say right now, we have already mentioned a few of them on this podcast here today. Uh, that's my, my one hint. We started with Adam. Uh, Adam needs some help. Adam, who is your guess for top 35 actors under the age of 35? What's Florence Pugh? Florence Pugh is number seven. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is number 10. Whoa. Okay. Interesting. Let's go with Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield is number 13. Daniel Kaluuya. Academy Award winner Daniel Kaluuya, whose parents did have sex, is number three. <laughs> Damn it. That's a good one. Um... Uh... <laughs> We mentioned some of them today. Let's go with Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart is number 11. Um, not a star of Naked Gun 33 and a third, Taryn Edgerton. Yes, Taryn Edgerton is number 24. How, how, what's this list up? Like top how many? Uh, 35. 35. 35, 35 under 35. Oh, 35. Okay. Uh, let's go with Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. I don't see his name on the list. I think he might be over 35. Oh, 35. Okay. Well, then there we go. Uh, so. I think that, that, that does you win. Terry, do you have any other guesses? I didn't have any others written down. How about uh, Lucas Hedges? Lucas hmm. Hedges is not on the list. You guys. Oh, well, again, Sir Ronan. Shirsha Ronan is on the list. She is number 15. Good call. Just um, run up the score. Feel free to. Any yeah. any others? Do you have any other any others, Adam? Well, yeah, it doesn't really matter at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I had written down because we mentioned oh. Ansel Elgort. No. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. but that's uh, that's not, not what I'm guessing. Yeah. How about how about no. how about the, the Timothy Chalamet? He is oh, number there one. We go. Yeah. Number one yeah. top 35 actor. Tom Holland, Zendaya. Tom Holland oh, is God. four, Zendaya is eight. Yeah. Interestingly, Rachel Ziegler is on this list at number 34. Wow. 
Nice. That, she's that got, means she's got a... some big projects coming up. I think that's well, probably she's why Snow she White. made the list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Terry wins trivia. But you know what? I Hey, I thought this was a good trivia. You guys got a lot of these correct. It's more fun when we get a lot of them correct instead of the bullshit. You know, what was the highest box office earning movie in 1987? <laughs> and none of us get it. So, yeah, th th That's this was true. fun. Hey, I'm just surprised I pulled one out. One ultimatum. There we go. That's my... Uh, that, that was a great like poll. That yeah. was a great poll. I mean, that that that's like one of those that notoriously won best editing. And it was a tie, was right? Like, what? Was it the tie? No, that was sound. Was that sound mixing? I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, I think that was it. No BS. It's a tie. Mark Wahlberg between that and Skyfall. <laughs> yeah. All right. Quote of the day time. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. Let's wrap this up. Oh, I, I won. So I'm going to go first. Uh, my quote comes from the uh, 2005 Oscar ceremony. Uh, one of my favorite jokes from any Oscars monologue. Uh, John Stewart hosted that year. I guess it's 2006 about the 2005 movies. Uh, and, uh, and he says uh, Schindler's list and Munich. I think I speak for all Jews when I say, I can't wait to see what happens to us next trilogy. So there you go. Nice. I thought you were going to talk about his comment about how three, six mafia was the most excited people to be there. Well, that there was that too, but no, th this actually relates back to Spielberg, which is what we've been talking about all podcasts. So that's true. I, I went with that. My, my other favorite, favorite joke from any Oscar ceremony, uh, especially the monologue is when Ellen looked at uh, Peter O'Toole and said, Peter O'Toole, 11 time nominee, never won. You know what they say? Third time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought that was hilarious. All right, Zach. My quote of the day comes from my favorite SNL Christmas sketch. Now, this could be a great Mount Rushmore list. But oh, here we go. Here we go. My favorite Sweaty. one, it's changed over the years, but I think the one that the now that's what I call Christmas, the album <laughs> with Jimmy Fallon and Kate McKinnon. Yes, but, yes, but yes. That is just tremendous. I also love the My Michael Bublé run, but I think this one's actually a little bit better. And mine comes, my quote comes from Cecily Strong as Alanis Morissette because she was actually mentioned in this pocket. We've mentioned everybody on on earth in this podcast by the way. <laughs> yeah, go, um, go, yeah. and she sings he's sad but he's happy he's old but he's kind he's nice because he's santa baby and then billy joe armstrong comes on and does something oh yeah great. uh yes so alanis <laughs> morissette all the way great always kid. be cobbling always, always be cobbling be... i thought that's what i like uh that. sweaty balls that's another one i thought sweaty balls yeah that's sweaty. another yeah, good that's one another... <laughs> That yeah, that's a that'd be a great power rankings. Yeah, <laughs> top five SNL I'll, I'll Christmas sketches. Yeah. All right, Adam. All right. Well, I, I always forget a segment or two in this. I, this is the <laughs> one I forgot. So, in honor of uh, Spider Man, I will try to not. Let's try to unscooby do this. Unscooby do this. That's the dumbest line in the trailer that they just released. Scooby do this crap. Yeah. That's unscooby do this crap. Who's? I'm not really excited for that one. I, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping it's good, but we'll see. So let's unscooby do this crap. There we go. There we Perfect. go. Perfect. All right. Sorry. Well, thank you all <laughs> so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.